On this episode of JP Sports Talk, we have a lot of football to get to today. I'll be recapping an insanely entertaining wildcard weekend. We also have a lot of action going down on the coaching carousel. Three head coaching vacancies have been filled, and we still have one more to go. The one that I believe is is the one with the most value, that being the Cleveland Browns. I'll get to that a bit later in the podcast. We have my Ope of the Day so far, one story out of the NBA that's really got me laughing and shaking my head all at the same time. And of course, I'll give my best bets of the night. We also have a show coming to you Saturday morning where I'll be doing a full preview of the divisional round and give my best bets for the weekend and for the college football national championship game. All that and more coming up right now on JP Sports Talk. Thank you once again for tuning in. I'm your host, as always, Justin Pora. It's Wednesday, January 8th, just before 4 p.m. here on the East Coast. And we have a lot of football to talk in today's episode before we get into the Saturday show. That's going to have a lot to do with college football and previewing the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We have to start off by recapping what was an insane wildcard weekend. I mean, wildcard weekend kind of gets lost in the shuffle because it's right after the regular season. The best teams in the playoffs, quote unquote, aren't even playing. There's a, a four o'clock game on Saturday that kind of sneaks up on everybody, but It was the perfect storm. We had four amazing games that all came down to the wire at the end of the game. But we will go in order of importance and what each game meant in terms of not only going forward into the divisional round, but also going forward into the offseason. And to start things off, we have to talk about the Tennessee Titans ending the New England Patriots Dynasty. Now, there's been a lot of talk this year about how Tom Brady's going to be a free agent for the first time in his career. He's 43 years old. They don't have the receivers. We knew that the defense was special. The defense has been special all year long. But last week, when they played the Miami Dolphins in their regular season finale, Stephon Gilmore, who everyone thought was the defensive player of the year, what looked like dust next to Devontae Parker, who absolutely torched them all game. And then Bill Belichick, his big thing is finding the one part of your offense and suffocating it. That should have been Derrick Henry for the Tennessee Titans. That was what he had to limit, and he just couldn't. Derrick Henry ran all over the Patriots, 34 carries, 182 yards, one touchdown, and the Titans beating the Patriots in Gillette Stadium 20-13. to It was an absolute clinic by Mike Vrabel and the Titans. Vrabel, 
obviously a Belichick disciple. He used a lot of Belichick's tricks against him, against him with uh, running the clock halfway through the fourth quarter by taking multiple penalties in a row. You know, he was definitely playing mind games from the other side of the sideline, and Belichick got out coached. He flat out got out coached by Mike Vrabel. It was a beautiful sight to see if you are one that was waiting for the downfall of the New England Patriots. Now, a lot of people would say, well, if the dynasty was going to end, how could it be to Ryan Tanhill and the Tennessee Titans? You would expect it to be in Arrowhead Stadium against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You would expect it to be against the Baltimore Ravens, against John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, two teams that have beaten the Patriots this year. In my opinion, this was the perfect way for the Patriots dynasty to end. They got outclassed. They got outplayed. They got outcoached. They got beat in their own game. Clock management, pound the football, play stout defense, make the big stops on the defensive end. You know, a huge goal line stand against the Patriots when they ran the ball three times in a row. That was one of the turning points of the game. And then it ended so swiftly. Maybe Tom Brady's last game in a Patriot uniform in Gillette Stadium. Throwing a pick six to end it all? Are you kidding me? I don't think anyone saw it coming. I said on Friday's show last week that one of my best bets was the Titans plus five. But I did not anticipate Tennessee going into Foxborough and winning that game outright. I knew they'd keep it close, but I didn't think they'd win. And now we could say the dynasty is dead. This was the Patriots' first wild card game in 10 plus years, and they were not up for the challenge, even at home, to a Titans team that not a lot of people gave a chance to. And they came in and absolutely wrecked the New England Patriots. Now, let's just talk about what this means for Tom Brady. For the first time in his career, Tom Brady is a free agent. Tom Brady has also said publicly that he will not take a hometown discount for the Patriots. And it's also very unlikely that he will retire. He had a post on Instagram today basically saying that, you know, uh, real champions rise against the adversity. He's going to be back. He's going to be ready to show that he still is a champion. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to prove he's a champion with the New England Patriots. It doesn't mean that he will return back to Bill Belichick and be a New England Patriot once again with the lack of weapons they have and just after they really didn't show much guts in that game against the Titans. So what I think is going to happen, I think Brady's gone. I do not see a possibility where there's a pitch good enough for Tom Brady to stay as a New England Patriot. Now, the biggest factor in all of this, now that the coaching carousel is pretty much wrapped up, and we'll get to it more in depth in in about 10 or so minutes into the podcast, but Josh McDaniels, the only head coaching vacancy that is now available is the Cleveland Browns, and 
I don't think Tom Brady and Giselle are going to Cleveland to play with Josh McDaniels. Maybe McDaniels wants to move on, take an offensive coordinator job at a place maybe uh, Los Angeles or in Indianapolis where he was thought to be the head coach a couple years ago but bailed out and decided to stick around with the Patriots. Here are the two scenarios that I see happening. Brady leaves with Josh McDaniels to Los Angeles with the Chargers. McDaniels has the OC, Brady as the starting quarterback. The Chargers can draft a quarterback that'll sit for a couple years behind Tom Brady, and then they'll proceed moving forward. It puts McDaniels in a spot to take over Anthony Lynn if he continues to struggle as the head coach. Or Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels both stay in New England, and Bill Belichick is the one that is gone in 2020. Bill Belichick knows that Brady is not worth a big-time contract. Bill Belichick won't stand for that again. But the only person who could override Belichick in this situation is Robert Kraft. And Robert Kraft is praying that Tom Brady returns as a Patriot. He retires as a Patriot. He wants this to continue. The whole Tom Brady TB12 situation in Foxborough as a New England Patriot. I think Bill would be over it. Bill does not want to see this season play out once again. He cares too much about winning. Brady's in it now just for the glory of playing past 42. And he's going to want his payday that he definitely deserves from New England. But Belichick isn't about that. So if Brady's coming back on this big deal and Belichick's going to have to figure out exactly what he had this season again next year, I think he's moving on. That puts McDaniels in a possibility to take over the head coaching job. And then Belichick is gone. Over 70 years old, doesn't need this anymore. He has six championships. So it's either Brady leaves or Belichick leaves. I find it very hard to believe that both of them will be in New England in 2020. All right, let's move on to uh, the most exciting game in the NFC wildcard matchup, the Vikings at the Saints. And before I get into how horrible the Saints were in this game, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has been the most frustrating player to me in the NFL this entire season and seasons before that. I was very aggressive in saying that he wouldn't be able to make the big play. He wouldn't be able to keep up in the dome against the Saints. I thought the Saints were firing on all cylinders. I just didn't think Kirk could win the big game. And boy, oh boy, look what he did. He made the throw of his career to Adam Thielen in overtime. You know, when I saw the Vikings get the ball first in that coin toss, I thought to myself, no way Kirk Cousins leads a touchdown drive right here. It just didn't feel right in New Orleans. It was so loud there. But you have to give credit where credit is due. He made the big throw, Adam Thielen making an incredible catch as well 
to set up an easy touchdown for Kyle Rudolph. I don't want to hear that there was no pass interference called because it wasn't that call that ruined the game. Just like how last year in the NFC Championship game, yes, that non-call for pass interference was egregious and laughable and absolutely horrible. But Drew Brees threw a pick in overtime. There was a no-call against Jared Goff when the Rams were trying to get something going in the fourth quarter. There were so many other factors that played in to the Saints losing that game other than that pass interference, and there were many more instances in this game against the Vikings that played that way. But again, Kirk Cousins, credit where credit is due, he made the big throw, um, didn't turn the ball over. I, you know, the Vikings didn't rely on Kirk Cousins, which is what they were supposed to do. They had the perfect game plan. They were going to abuse Dalvin Cook, 28 carries, 94 yards, two touchdowns, a lot of short plays. They ran a lot with Stephon Diggs in that second half after he threw a little bit of a hissy fit. And then when Kirk Cousins needed to make the throw, they put him in a position to succeed, and he made the throws. Credit where credit is due, but now let's look on the other side of the coin, the New Orleans Saints. Oh my goodness. This was an embarrassing performance from the quarterback and the head coach. Drew Brees taking a horrible sack in the second half, fumbling the ball, giving it to the Vikings. He threw an interception in the first half. It was just an ugly game, and they could not uh, take the opportunities that the Vikings were giving them. They fumbled on the second or third play of the game, get the ball in Vikings territory, and they were only able to score a field goal. The bad interception that led to a Vikings touchdown towards the end of the first half. The Vikings punted a ton in that second half. They were only able to get um, the one touchdown on their second drive, which was a very well-constructed eight-play, 64-yard drive. And that last drive in regulation from the New Orleans Saints Sean Payton had no idea what he was doing. The Saints were making plays. It looked like Drew Brees was going to get it done once again, like we saw very similarly in week one of the regular season, except it had to end in a touchdown if they wanted to extend the game. Excuse me, if they wanted to end the game and win it in regulation. But every play was towards the middle of the field. No one was getting out of bounds. The Saints had timeouts that they were not using. They took a, a false start instead when the Drew Brees tried to spike the ball. Sean Payton allowed for a 10-second runoff. Litter, and then Drew Brees just threw it at the feet of Alvin Kamara. It was an awful, awfully coached series. Yes, it still ended in three points. But then they gave the ball to the Vikings in overtime and they lost the game. They didn't get the opportunity. So you have to blame the coaching. You have to blame Drew Brees for the turnovers, the really bad fumble. He took too many sacks in this game. 
Um, instead of being willing to throw the ball away, the Vikings pass rush looked really good in that game and Drew Brees just couldn't hang in there. Now the question is, what is his future hold in New Orleans? They have Teddy Bridgewater who went 5-0 and without him, ready to go. He wants a new contract. Drew's going to want a new contract. He doesn't look like he's done. He had a very good regular season. I thought the Saints were on their way to the Super Bowl. I thought he was going into the playoffs red hot, but he collapsed again. And you have to say again because he threw the pick in overtime last year. It was an absolute meltdown from the Saints. And it's going to be a very curious offseason for another franchise that has been so successful in the NFL with a very good quarterback head coaching combo. No one really knows what's going to happen in New Orleans, much like in New England. Let's look at the Seahawks-Eagles game really quickly. Um, the C- the Eagles have no reason to hang their heads. Carson Wentz taking a brutal hit from Jadavion Clowney out for the game. Josh McCown really did all he could as a 40-year-old backup quarterback in that situation. He led a few field goal drives, but it wasn't enough to overcome the Seahawks that were just fired up, ready for this game. Russell Wilson has been dominant on the road this year. I still think Russell Wilson, while he will not win the award, is the most valuable player in the NFL just because of how he's able to extend plays, how he makes everyone around him better. Marshawn Lynch just coming right back in, knowing he could trust Russ. Russ knowing he could trust him. He got a touchdown in this game. Russell Wilson with a couple very incredible plays. A great throw to Tyler Lockett that was originally ruled out on the sideline. on I believe it was a third down. It was a, a around a 30 or 40 yard completion, but Lockett made the catch. DK Metcalf went off in this game. He's an absolute specimen. Russell Wilson is the reason that all of this clicks. He is so, so good. And the Seahawks deserve to win this game. They're going to have an absolute battle in Lambeau Field uh, this upcoming weekend. I can't wait to talk about that game in the next episode of this podcast. But we'll wait until we get a bit closer for that. Now let's talk about the Bills-Texans. Definitely the most head-scratching game of the weekend. Um, The game was an absolute dumpster fire. The broadcast was an absolute dumpster fire. Booger McFarlane saying the Bills should run a draw on 3rd and 10 and then spike the ball. Um, Not sure if he knew that Sean McDermott was the coach of the Bills and not Freddie Kitchens. But Booger, you know what, man? You keep going. <laughs> That's it for the ESPN football broadcast this year. In in a word, thank you. <laughs> that that gets to be done. Um, but the Bills, they weren't ready for this spot. You know, I've loved the Bills. I've been on them all season long. I'm a big Josh Allen fan. Josh Allen was in a bit over his head in this game. That lateral when he had the big rushing play was absolutely despicable. That can never happen. Lucky it wasn't a turnover, but, you know, he's a young quarterback in this league. We saw what Lamar Jackson did in his first playoff start last year against the Chargers, where he was dreadful, 
And Josh Allen was not dreadful in this game. He actually had a terrific first half. But then when a tough get, you know, things started to really amp up in terms of pressure and timing. And he just wasn't ready for that situation. He's never seen a game like that before in his NFL career. And that's why you get these experiences. Everyone has a first playoff start. And that was his. And it didn't go his way. And you know what? If a couple things went differently, it would have went his way. Deshaun Watson has been in the playoffs before, has been in the college national championship before, and he looked, as Dabo Sweeney would say, like Michael Jordan. He should have gotten sacked twice, but instead he bounced one hit off the other, stayed up, made the play that got the Texans into the red zone, and he was able to win the game in overtime. He is one-of-a-kind talent. He is amazing. And when you look at the playoff matchups in the AFC, Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes, the Mitch Trubisky Bowl, as one of those quarterbacks should be on the Chicago Bears right now, but eh, they weren't. These were the 10th and 12th picks in that 2017 draft going up against each other in what is going to be a killer game. A lot of great quarterback play. I'm so happy for Deshaun. I think the Bills were the better team that day, but they collapsed under the pressure. And Deshaun Watson and the Texans did not, allowing them to win the game in overtime and advance to play the Chiefs in Arrowhead. So that's it for Wild Card Weekend. It was an amazing weekend of football. We have another great weekend coming up with the divisional rounds. These games are really interesting, and I don't really know where I'm leaning in terms of how they're all going to play out because I kind of anticipated the Ravens playing either the Bills or the Texans. Now they're going to get the Titans. That's going to be the fastest game ever because the clock's going to keep running. These two teams pound the football on the ground. And like I said, uh, Watson versus Mahomes is going to be terrific. Russ, the uh, Wisconsin Badger going to Green Bay after all the playoff battles Rodgers and Russ have had in their career so far. And then the Niners against the Vikings. Another really good game that we're going to see. It's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend of football. And I went 3-1. and one my best bets for wild card weekend. So hopefully I'll be able to get the noggin working and, and make some good picks. Uh, so make sure to tune in Saturday morning to get my insight and hear what the way to go is for divisional weekend games. Now let's look at the coaching carousel. The Cowboys got things really cooking outside of Obviously, Ron Rivera going to Washington, which we knew last week. But the Cowboys got the week going, hiring Mike McCarthy after officially letting Jason Garrett go on Sunday. I think that was the best move that Jerry Jones could have made. And to be honest, I think anyone else would have been a mistake. Look at the resumes of every coach that they were checking out. Either past coordinators or or college head coaches that have had a lot of success. Mike McCarthy has been to a Super Bowl. Mike McCarthy has beaten the Dallas Cowboys on plenty of occasions. He's a very good coach. And at worst, he's a 
better version of Jason Garrett. And I think that is going to play to the strengths of this Cowboys team. A lot of people want to, you know, get on McCarthy's case for not knowing how to establish the run. And, you know, of course, they have Zeke Elliott, who needs to be the guy that gets the ball on a consistent basis. I think he's going to fit in there just fine. I think Dak's going to love McCarthy. I think they're they're going to run it in the NFC East. There's just not a a lot of talent in that division. And they should be able to take over and just absolutely dominate now that they have a better coach. So I think that was the right hire. Jerry could have made the wrong hire, the flashy college hire, but he got the right guy, the safe play that I think is really going to work out for the Cowboys. Staying in the NFC East, my New York Giants getting Joe Judge, 38-year-old special teams coordinator and wide receiver coach from New England. I know nothing about him. I don't think anybody really knows anything about him other than his Wikipedia page. But here's what I do know. 38 years old, Bill Belichick raves about him. He said that Judge was uh, chirping in his ear throughout the entire time he's been in New England, asking about the intricacies of head coaching, how to handle certain situations. He Belichick also said, quote, he could coach any position on the field. You know, we saw the success that Jim Harbaugh has had as a special teams coordinator being a head coach in the NFL. Uh, Joe Judge's two jobs in football have been at Alabama and with the New England Patriots. So under Saban and Belichick, it's a good tree to be under. I don't think anyone knows much about Joe Judge, but that's one thing you got to think about. That it's all of those pieces kind of are in place. And again, similarly what I just said about Mike McCarthy, who else were the Giants going to get that was going to be that much better? I don't think Lincoln Riley is leaving unless he's going to Cleveland to link back up with Baker Mayfield. I don't think Urban Meyer would go to the NFL. Matt Rule went to the Carolina Panthers and he's a very good coach. He turned around Temple and Baylor to college programs that were kind of in the rut before he got there and he kind of brought them back to at least success but the Panthers gave him a lucrative seven-year deal the Giants did not want to do that before uh even interviewing the guy the Panthers basically kidnapped him and and made him stay and just like you're either going to take this job or take a Giants offer so they weren't going to do that and Joe Judge apparently blew everyone away in his interview And you know what? At 38 years old, if he's the guy and he succeeds, he's going to be a part of this franchise for a long time to come. And it could be a very exciting time right now for a New York Giants fan. So that's a big wait and see. Definitely the biggest wait and see, I would would say, out of all the coaches. Uh, Like I mentioned, Rule going to the Panthers. Very good college coach. Did a great job with Baylor this year. He had that heartwarming text to his players that said, sorry, you had to find out through the media. I'll be sticking around. Let me know if you want to talk. You know, that kind of stinks for those kids that played so hard for him all year. But you know what? Baylor, even being in the playoff discussion this year, probably would have gotten there if they were able to take down Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. Or maybe even the first time these those two teams 
uh, squared off when Baylor blew a 28-3 lead against Oklahoma. But Rule, you know, it seems like he's going to be a, uh, a good fit in Carolina. They still have a lot of work to do. Uh, the only team on the board that has a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. You know, that's going to be a process going forward. So we'll see about that. And now the Cleveland Browns, the most enticing of the offers. They now, they have stayed patient, have their pick of the litter, no general manager in place to really make the call. It's going to be up to the owners, the Haslams. It could be Josh McDaniels, Urban Meyer, which I think is the most unlikely, Eric Benemy, who is the offensive coordinator with the Kansas City Chiefs, who seems to be dying for a head coaching job. Robert Sala, who is the defensive coordinator for the 49ers. The biggest name that I think works the best, Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley made Baker Mayfield a Heisman winner, turned him in from a walk-on to a Heisman winner at Oklahoma. They have the weapons. If he could get the most out of Baker, that offense is going to be electric. He has the moxie, the swag, the composure. Oklahoma has been to the college football playoff. Now, was it three years in a row under Lincoln Riley? The offense is great. They just need the right D coordinator there to go along with all the talent they have on defense. And it's going to be a really successful team. I think Lincoln Riley works out great. I also believe McDaniels would be a good uh, spot there. But again, I think McDaniels either goes where Brady goes or stays in New England with Brady if Belichick leaves. So the coaching carousel, almost done moving, but we still have to wait on the Cleveland Browns to make a decision. And don't be surprised if it takes a while for that decision to come as they now have all the time in the world to make their pick. So, my hope of the day that I've seen a story in the NBA, Kawhi Leonard, someone who is notoriously silent, quiet, not social, doesn't use social media, doesn't really, you know, say anything, and when he does say something, we're all able to laugh at it. A report from Stephen A. Smith has Kawhi saying that LeBron should stop being scared to guard me. Kawhi Leonard said that. <laughs> and it's just, it's got me scratching my head laughing. Is this even true? Could, could anyone listening picture Kawhi Leonard even saying that, even talking that type of trash? The most trash we've heard this man talk is board man. Board man gets paid. Bucket, bucket. Like, that. that's what we know. From Kawhi, and we don't know much else. So to say that LeBron should stop being scared to guard him, I mean, yikes. And the Clippers have beaten the Lakers twice this year in the regular season. But if I'm Kawhi, don't poke the bear. Because LeBron still looks like, you know, one of the top two or three players in the league. And he does play every single night, unlike Kawhi Leonard. So... You know, this, again, I don't really love talking NBA at this point in the year, especially when we still have football going on, because, you know, not much of it really 
has any sentiment until we get to the NBA playoffs. We know that the Clippers are going to uh, go up against the uh, the Lakers at some point in the Western Conference playoffs. So, you know, we're, we're going to see how that matchup comes to fruition that time of the year. But we know that LeBron is going to be in situations where he has to guard Kawhi. Because who else is he going to guard? Paul George? Uh, who's their power for? Montrez Harrell? Mo Harkless? Like, Anthony Davis is going to have to guard the center. Or he's going to have to guard Mo Harkless. He's not going to be able to guard Kawhi Leonard. So it's really going to be up to him. Unless he's guarding Patrick Beverly, which, you know, would bring a lot of value to Kawhi's point if that's who he's guarding. So that's a big ope for me. Just very strange to see Kawhi really talking trash, going at the king like that. But it's very apparent now that if this is true, Kawhi really is coming for the crown. Now let's close off the show with the best bets of the night. We're recording this again Wednesday, January 8th. It's about 4.15 right now. So all of these bets are for Wednesday night. Starting with hockey, Stars and the Kings, the over-under is 5. Every hockey line that I've ever seen, the over-under strings between 5.5 and and 7. So just seeing the over-under at 5 is very, very low. Have to pounce on that over, in my opinion. Uh, just because it's not one that you see very often, if ever. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the Stars have been red hot lately. They've scored uh, five or more goals over the past uh, few weeks multiple times. And I think uh, they're going to win this game. And I think they're going to do it with a lot of uh, shots on net, a lot of goals for them. So you got to take the over at five. In the NBA, Rockets at Atlanta playing the Hawks. I like the Hawks plus eight and a half. The last two games on the road for the Rockets, they lost by a combined margin of 27 points. And those losses were to the Pelicans and the Warriors. Yikes. So against two bad teams, they lost by a combined 27 points. I believe it was 15 to the Warriors, 12 to the Pelicans. And, you know, that's not very good. They don't play great away from Houston. Trey Young over his last two games averaging 35 points. And those were both against solid teams in Denver and Indiana. Two teams that are also rather defensive teams. So Trey Young against a not very defensive Houston team is going to have a big night. I think plus eight is an easy number to cover for the Hawks. And the closings out college basketball, Big Ten, Illinois at Wisconsin. Badgers, four and a half point favorites. I love it. I think Wisco is blazing hot. Coming off a big win against top five Ohio State. That was um, in Ohio State. So a big road win. They have yet to lose in Madison this season. Every home win has been by at least 13 points. So they love playing at home in front of Badger Nation. And I think they're going to go out, get the big win. It's only a four and a half point spread, you know, conference play have to roll with the Badgers who are on a very big hot streak right now. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We have a big show coming up on Saturday, previewing all things of the divisional round 
as we have four great matchups before we get to Championship Sunday next weekend. Thank you guys for listening, and be sure to tune in this weekend. As we go.